Hello, folks. Welcome to episode seven. Time is flying by here at the Cassandra Properties Podcast. Uh, as always, very excited. We have a wonderful guest joining us today, Mike Bloomfield, who is the proprietor of Techie Geek. He happens to be our IT guy, uh, but he's got an unbelievable history, 20 years uh, in the business, 99.9% retention rate. He is a best-selling author, folks, on Amazon. His new book is out, How to Hackproof Your Business, Volume 2. Essentially, this is a collaboration of 12 different IT folks from around the country, basically giving a manual on what is so important and something we'll touch on today. And part of today's value, we always try and deliver some value on the Cassandra Properties podcast. So those are some of the things we're going to talk about. We also have our co-host, Becky Becca, or as Siri likes to say, calling Becca Machulinus Mobile, <laughs> joining us. And we have uh, PDs on the ones and twos. Mike, how are we doing today? Good. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for coming. You got me out of my house, and I actually put a poll on for the first time in five months. Wow. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, coronavirus, uh, coronavirus, all the time coronavirus. <laughs> so um, thanks for joining us today. We, we've, uh, and we'll get into this a little bit. And maybe we, we even start with this, uh, Becca. You, you had found Mike as yeah. we were going through the Cassandra Properties shuffle and, and trying to figure out you know, in this digital age, how we were going to not only protect our assets, but how we were going to actually deploy the proper assets. It was uh, during a, a difficult growth period for us. So um, actually, I, and I do this, Mike, you have to bear with me. Uh, before we go to that, let's talk about your history. Are you, are you a Staten Islander? Or? So I've been on Staten most of my life, but okay. I've been all over. So born in Brooklyn. Then when I was one came to Staten Island, was in Staten Island up until about eight then we went to Florida for a few years. When my parents would fight, we would move. Uh, so we went to Florida. <laughs> they had another fight. We came back. Uh, high school, I went to Brooklyn, came back to Staten gotcha. Island, went to Arizona for three years uh, for work. So I got relocated to Arizona three years. Beautiful. Oh, wonderful. Uh, uh, got engaged to my wife, Nicole, who I was dating before I moved to Arizona. But she came out, and then I got the ultimatum that, hey, I miss home. So mm -hmm. you, I'm going home, so you could right. stay in Arizona or you could come back, and well, here I am in Staten Island. Again. So Nicole is from Staten Island? Yeah, Nicole is from Staten Island. And what part of Brooklyn were you in? Uh, I, uh, Canarsie. I was went, uh, apparently above a Bialy store. I guess all, every corner is a Bialy store in Canarsie. Yeah. Uh, but then when I went back in high school, we lived in uh, Bankshurst, the Cropsey and 21st Avenue. But nice. So, Pete, those are not your stomping grounds, right? Oh, so so PD yeah. was 13th and 79th. No, so my in-laws live on uh, 26th Avenue in Bensinghurst. Okay. Yeah. You know, Bensinghurst, Brooklyn is small. small. Like, if the ones who came from Staten Island were all in the same area. Yeah. We all came and moved on over to Staten Island, and apparently everyone from Staten Island goes to Jersey. Yeah, that's kind and of yep. the unfortunate um, trend. trend here that we, we're doing a lot of hard work trying to, to yeah. get some active senior lifestyle kind of living it doesn't exist on staten island um and it doesn't make sense it's like highest demographic yeah. population set to double over the mm -hmm. next five years super high disposable income are we over five hundred thousand yet uh it depends on where you look some say we're like 489 some say we're 525 so we're we're right there so hopefully they know after this next census where we really are yeah 
Yeah. Complete your census. Complete your <laughs> census, right. folks. <laughs> so um, Mike is an absolute whiz. Um, yes. He has taken us, and now we can come back again. Those are the birdies flying around my head, mm-hmm. folks. So now we can come back to, Becca, do you want to get into a little bit uh, the process, how we found Mike, some of the things that he's done for us, and then we can get into the value of today and talk yeah, about absolutely. life after corona, as we always seem to do. Mm-hmm. Sure. So... Um, Gosh, I want to say it was maybe five years ago. Does that sound about right, Mike? Sounds about right. Four yeah, time five. flies. I know, and it's really hard now um, to keep track of time. But um, we decided that we needed to kind of up where we were at with our technology and our IT. Um, and so I started kind of looking around, um, interviewing a couple of different companies. And I know I stated this on the review that I gave you guys, the video I did. But the biggest thing for me, and I think for a lot of people, um, IT is a different world. And if you're not immersed in it, um, it can be very intimidating. And that was one of the things that I kept finding was a stumbling block is I was interview people or talk to people and they would talk way above my pay grade and it was confusing and sometimes you just kind of felt like oh I guess I I don't know anything and it's just not a great great feeling Um, but you were completely different and your team is they talk to you on a level that you can understand um, and really great at explaining everything um, which was kind of the one thing that really set you apart when I first met you, because I didn't know really about, you know, how great you guys were um, with technology, but that was like, oh, okay, great. I can talk on a human level. Like he understands um, my, what I am asking and, and vice versa. So um, that was, that was really great. And then one of the, you know, things that I really enjoyed was really educated um, me and James on what the company needed, what we were lacking, um, and really helped us dig in and figure out how we could um, elevate where we were at and bring everything up to speed. Um, especially your book about being a hacking, um, you really gave us a a really good um, explanation and helped us to kind of understand where we were at. Um, so that was great. Another thing uh, when we moved yeah. uh, three years ago. Uh, longer than that. Yeah, was yeah, it? My daughter's three and that was before oh, she that's was. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you made the moving process, which is daunting in and of itself, so great. Um, I can remember you coming into the office and um, us just kind of sitting while we were setting up telephones and you made sure everything was set and ready to go so we didn't have to have that on top of everything else in the back of our minds. Um, so that was that was really great. Everything that we've done with you guys has been uh, just a phenomenal experience. And, and he wasn't pitching. No. You weren't. Like it wasn't a constant pit. You just had a passion, a genuine passion about it, and you educated us. And as you know, halfway decent business operators, we saw our value right away. So where did, where does that come from? Like, do, do, were you always a, a techie guy as a as a little kid? Is this so? The... So first off, thank you. Yeah. You know, no, thank and, you. And, and, yeah. and just to quickly touch on what you said, the biggest fear most people have is like a, a business owners. They're afraid to switch their accountant and they're afraid to switch their IT guy. Yes. Mm. Oh, and phones, right? I can remember everyone of, so our foot in the door was really with the phones. Mm -hmm. And I can remember every conversation we had was James, I can't lose my phone numbers. I can't lose my phone numbers. Am I going to lose my phone numbers? And relax, we're not going to lose the phone numbers, you know, and there's, and and there's a process for it. But you know, the, the biggest fear is always IT. 
And it's really an easy one to switch. You know, when mm -hmm. you're going to a provider who knows what they're doing and has proper onboarding process uh, for a new client, switching IT is, is not difficult. Um, but people, it's that belief. You know, when you have to trust your IT yeah. provider. And we try to do bring it into layman's terms. That's my job. My job is to not talk circles around you and do, and yes. a lot of providers do that because they just want to make it seem very confusing and throw everything out there on a paper and you just look and go, okay, okay, that's what I need. Right. No, I want my clients to understand what we're doing and the value we're bringing and bringing the services they need and not talk circles. Um, so where does that come from though? So my first job, I was living in Tottenville on Pittsville Avenue and, and uh, I realized there was a need for businesses that they were responsible for the streets in front of the sidewalks in front of their business. Yep. They have to be clean. Yep. You, otherwise, the sanitation comes and gives them a ticket. Yeah. I was, I think, at that point in sixth grade, and I said to my dad, I think I'm going to start a business, and I'm going to go get clients, and I'm going to sweep their oh, streets wow. three times a week. Good for you. And my dad made me a garb like one of the garbage pails with wheels. He attached the the, the, the broom and everything <laughs> oh, to it. Amazing. A thing for, and I went, and I had, I want to say, ten clients. Like There was an auto store over there on Main Street. There was a, a, a deli. There was the bakery. Uh, the Bugs and Blooms florist is over there. Sure. And we, I would wake up in before school three times a week and one, one day on the weekend, so two times during the week, one day on the weekend, and go and sweep the streets. And I'd make like 300 bucks a, a, a month from, I was in sixth grade, to the, uh, then you're like, this That's is great. great. So then when my dream job was I wanted to be a fighter pilot. So that, that, oh. that, that did <laughs> not happen. I, my vision is terrible. Um, and apparently they don't want corrective surgery, but that was like my dream. I was like, how cool would it be to fly a plane? Is there, is there military in, in no. your family? No background? Just, no, I just thought it'd be cool to fly Just thought a plane. it'd be cool. Tom Cruise, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah got it. Video games are fun. Uh, but then I ended up with uh, high school. I really got into computers. So it was right at when Windows 95 came out, like that was your major leap in technology. You went back to Pentium processor from the 486. Now we're talking circles around you. Uh, but, uh, you know, <laughs> that was that was really, and it was a video game that really started my passion for computers. It was a, a video game called Half-Life. And that game really started my career and my, my love of computers. Mm -hmm. Then I got into computer programming. And I was actually programming uh, modifications for this video game, uh, Half-Life. And then I was actually... Oh, wait, wait, wait. You were programming mods for Half-Life? Yeah. So at, at what age? Uh, that was high school, so probably like sixteen or seventeen. How, how does that? Even so I taught myself programming. I used to read books. Remember the Fadummies books? Of the course. Yellow books. Yeah. I, would, I used to read the Fadummy books. Read all yeah. the different books, and I taught myself programming. Um, Half Life was an open. It was known as open source, so you were able to program, and they basically yeah. released the software development kit for it. I was then asked. So I was working on a modification project called Metropolis. It was a mobster style shooter that we were building on the Half-Life framework. And I got a, a, an email from a guy, I, I want to say the name was Gooseman. Hey, we're working on this new modification called Counter-Strike. Do you want to work on this? I was like, hmm. no, that sounds really cool, but we're working on a mod, right? I don't want to leave him. Our mod never is released, and Counter-Strike is like a famous game now. So I was <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then I went to, uh, so out of high school, I went to Staten Island Tech. So I was back, even though I lived in Brooklyn at that time, I was commuting to Staten Island. I went to Staten Island Tech. And uh, for college, I started at NJIT, and I originally was going to do software engineering. And I just remember sitting there at orientation, and they say, oh, who's here software engineering? And you watched all the hands go up. 
And then they're like, who's here for computer engineering? I watched like one-tenth the amount of hands go up. I go, that seems less competitive. I'm getting into that one. Oh, wow. Switched majors and went into computer engineering. And programming isn't as fun, too. You really are, like, locked in. Yeah. I, 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 I yeah. like to talk. Anyone who knows me knows I love to talk. And you can mm-hmm. see right now. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I ended up switching to computer engineering. But I am a college dropout. Uh, you know, in college, I learned how to play guitar. That was pretty much what I did. And I, my father owned the bowling alley in New Jersey, so I was the head mechanic. I was the manager of the bowling alley. So I was I was working and going to school full time to pay for school. And right. I ended up saying, okay, I like this. And I, w- I was doing both. But then I got offered a job in the field I was studying for. At that point, I actually switched to electrical engineering. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So because <laughs> I, I went from NJIT to CSI. Okay. After two years of learning how to play guitar and realizing I'm not really learning much at NJIT, let me try it to restart over, go electrical engineering. But then I got offered a job, which everyone's going to hate me for, uh, the red light cameras. So there was a company called Mulvihill Electric ah, on Staten Island, and they did, the red, they did the red light cameras throughout uh, New York City. They were, I was hired as employee number one of an acquisition for a, a big company called American Traffic Solutions in Arizona. Um, All right, so I have gotcha. to stop you here. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. No, I, I love the passion. And we're going to go back and touch on a couple of things there. But the red light camera thing is of particular interest to me, and I'll tell you why. When I was in the – so I was with Pete Millick. So I couldn't have been more than eighth grade or a freshman. Uh, Pete, rest in peace, a, a good friend of mine who had passed. We were charged by Mr. Stanley. I hope someone looks this up, by the way. Mr. Stanley was the teacher. And the, the problem that was presented in the engineering class was how do we solve four tickets? We mm-hmm. need to reduce manpower, but increase revenue. And me and Pete wrote this mm-hmm. paper about sensors that would trigger if you went through oh, interesting. a traffic light. Now, if only if you were to patent it. Well, that, well, yeah, somebody exactly. look this up, please, because yeah. if Mr. Stanley is like living on an island somewhere and he's mega rich, you know, you're going to hear from my litigator, Mr. Yeah, Stanley, right. if you're out there. But anyway, sorry to interrupt you, no. but that struck a nerve like those damn red camera like Newman. Go ahead. You can pick it back up, Mike. That's all they are. They're sensors. Well, now they've moved since I've left. They're, they're, they're 3D tracking radars as technology, but when I first started, they... 15 years ago, whatever it was, they were piezo sensors in the ground. A piezo sensor is the same type of a guitar. So it's just like when you at the bottom of a guitar, you have piezo sensors. Sure. That's all that was in the ground is basically, and that would measure a spike of a tire. And then there was an inductance loop, which is in the middle, and then another piezo sensor. An inductance loop measures metal. So basically what it's watching for is a spike and a spike over Boom, boom. Over distance, yep. when you have at that, basically you could calculate speed from that because if you know the time it takes to get from one to the other, now you could calculate speed. And the inductance loop was there going to say, is this a car or is it a bicycle? They could tell based on the amount of metal. And that's all it used to be. Now it's 3D tracking radars. Technology has come a long way. But uh, yeah, so I went to work for them. And this was in the beginning of this acquisition, and I was mm-hmm. being sent around the country. We were growing. It was becoming not just New York City. It was becoming nationwide. And I would be sent all over. I remember going the fir- one of my first trips was Capitola, California, beautiful. 
I've never been to California. It was uh, September 11th, actually, like a couple of years, not that September 11th, a few years later, because I remember flying on September 11th, oh, wow. being like, I have to fly on September 11th. Now, how um, old are you at this point in your journey uh, here? So I had to be, I want to say 21, 22. So yeah, it was about 15 years ago, uh, yeah, 2005. So okay. I flew to Capitol. I've never been to California. We, we work at nighttime. I've never been to California. I've watched TV. I thought California was all hot and beautiful. I brought shorts and T-shirts. Capitol oh, no. is cold. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <no. It> was, <laughs> so we go out there to go work at like 10 o'clock at night because we have to work in the road. I'm in right. shorts and T-shirt. The guy meets me at the Mama Hotel. He's got pants on, sweatshirt. I'm like, what are you doing? We're in California. He's like, do you know about the map? Do you, do you ever yeah, right. Have you heard of elevations? <laughs> I was like... Why is it cold? And we went out. It was like thirty something degrees. Oh that, my gosh! And in Capitola, the the city is closed down. There's nowhere to buy clothes that, oh. in that at nighttime. So that night right. was miserable. And the next day, I had to go out and buy all new clothes. Um, but I was being flown around the country to just go focus a camera. So I would get a call from my boss at four a.m. because he was very passionate about it. So four a.m. I would get a phone call. Mike, the, the camera in Tennessee is out of focus. I need you to get on a plane tomorrow morning because it's based on revenue. They got they need to get paid. It's the new program. Now you're working for public or private? Gotcha. It's private. Private. So I need you to get on a plane, fly to Tennessee tomorrow right away and get this taken care of. So I would basically get off a plane, rent a bucket truck, drive, go up, do what I have to do, come down and come back home. And I, I after wow. doing this for a couple of months, I was like it's got to be a better way to do this. So I went to my boss and I was like, if I come up with a way to do all this remotely, can I create a position for myself? He goes, if you can figure it out, sure. I worked with the engineer who designed the system and found products and found a way for us to be able to focus cameras. We were able to do all the settings and everything from a computer terminal. So I created which, uh, basically a remote support position at that time. And basically all... The reason I discuss it is it all comes down into what we do now. We manage endpoints. We manage mm -hmm. computers. We are responsible for security, figuring out the to keep it efficient, product uh, productivity up, right? If yeah. I had to focus a camera, we could do it right then. We basically designed a ring that went around the camera with servos, and we would do a command, and it would remotely just turn that the focus ring and, and wow. the zoom ring. So 21 years old, and you Impressive. are figuring a way in a time when – certainly it was nothing like it is today, how to automate or at least get to a point where things can be done remotely. And as, as you're talking through it, I'm thinking, gee, I wonder how he was able to do this. Makes sense. You put a lens, little servos, moves things back and forth, little micro a adjustments. Band. There was That's a rubber it. band that would just pull back and forth and everything else was pro. It was basically an embedded computer in there. So, but this was before the it, like now you have a Raspberry Pi, you put it online and you have an IP address, you're good. This was it was serial, so I had found a serial port solution that would convert serial to IP, and that's how we were able because every red light camera was online because all the data would send back to the the servers. They're, only in New York City did they, they have to go and collect the cards. Every, of course, everywhere else in the of country, course, greatest now, city in the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it was uh, probably a revenue thing, um, yeah. but uh, in New York City now it's all digital. Um, it's all, but yeah, everywhere in the, in the world, we had internet, we had internet at every box, every box technically had an address, had an internet service, had its own power, you know, so, um, drop from the, now it was it hardwired into, I'm, I'm asking this for so a reason. Used to, it, it, originally it was hardwired in, but what was happening is it was very expensive, the hardwire, because depending on construction, who owns what property, right. trenching. So then we moved it to uh, cellular. 
So with Entangers, and at that point it was way before 4G. It was a 3G cellular. I'm sure now they're at 4G. Uh, you know, make no sense if they're not. Uh, but yeah, and we would push Dager through cellular. We push in cam video pictures and all that. And I created that position. And then they said, "Hey, do you want to move to Arizona, the corporate headquarters?" And I was like, "I was there for a couple of months, uh, and I loved it. It was beautiful." I was like, "Yeah, sure, why not?" When I went there, about two months into doing my position, I created a whole support team. There was five people that worked for me. They came to me and said, do you want to manage engineering? I was like, sure. So I ended up ma uh, being the product uh, man manager for product engineering there, and I had 38 engineers who worked for me. So we developed speed cameras. Sorry. Uh, bus. Oh, man, it's getting worse. <laughs> I know. Worse, it's folks. Going We're at 1911 finally. Richmond <laughs> Avenue, Suite 200, if you want to line up. Is this and... live? Should I run now? So, um, yeah, so we developed speed cameras. Uh, we were doing over-height, overweight uh, cameras, so we did a demo for New York City. We did demos for congestive pricing, if you remember when of the course. city was talking about doing congestive. On the Bloomberg. Yep. Yeah. So we had put together a whole system and did a demo for that. Uh yeah, it was it was it was interesting and fun, and but then my wife decided she wanted to come back to New York. We were engaged at the time, and yeah. it was it's just funny how things play out. It is, and we were visiting in New York, and in between high school and college, I interned for an amusement company that puts video games at uh, at game at, at locations. Mm -hmm. You know, so when you go into okay. a bowling alley and there's a few arcade machines. Mm -hmm. And he, I got a call from him, and he was a family friend. And he goes, Mike, I haven't talked to you in six years, whatever it's been. Um, I'd like to get together with you. And I was like, well, actually, I'm in New York right now visiting. Well, I'll, I'll, let's get together. I'll drive into the – he was in the Bronx. I drive in. He goes, tell me what you've been doing. I start telling him what I'm doing. And he goes, well, that's exactly what I'm looking for. I, I'm looking to – we have a photo booth. And we've outsourced it, and I want to bring the photo booth in-house, and I need someone to run engineering. Would you come and run engineering for me? And it just, I was like, yeah, we were actually talking wow. about moving back, and two, it was about two months later, we were back, and then I was the manager of research and development and IT for the biggest photo booth manufacturer in the world. Wow. So wow. Funny how things line up. Right. It's yeah. all, and it's, 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 it really is. Like, we were just here. So... As a kid, kid, like for me, well, uh, I'm so old and ancient. Uh, like when my the first game I remember uh, that we had the, the access to was Pong. It was a paddle, and it just had the beep, mm -hmm. and then went across the screen and went beep. Oh, I remember come back that across. game. No, you don't. You're a baby. You don't I, remember I still that remember game. seeing Maybe it you saw it on a YouTube video. Oh, you, like remember this? You know the old people. Blah. Oh hush. You don't remember that. And then game. you got upgraded to alleyway, right? That was the one where you had the slider at the bomb and the ball. You would break yes. The oh, I forgot about that. See? Right. And then what was was Atari was next. Atari. Then yeah. Coleco. Then Nintendo, right? And then we started getting into the real. Now you're in my generation, Nintendo. Yeah. So, did, were yeah. you were you uh, into those types of games as a kid? Also, was it always just kind of a pull for you digitally, or or not not like for me? It was King's Quest. I remember. You remember King's Quest? Yeah, I, I don't think I ever played it, but more I guess my generation's more Oregon Trail. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'm right. crossing the river. Yes, that's yeah. right. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> those problem solving kind <laughs> of games <laughs> always. <laughs> Seem to be a fit for problem solvers, right? We're problem solvers. So as a you, kid, you probably love SimCity. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. 
You were building out the city. Building out the put- city, managing, right, the, the, the ratings and oh. your popularity and balancing the budget and, and build. Although there was a lot of flaws in that game. I remember specifically <laughs> if you built residential around Waterfront, the game didn't recognize it as higher value. It always wanted oh, industry gosh. around the waterfront. Don't laugh at me. Were you this recently playing true. this? This sounds <laughs> like I was know. not. But this, these are the kinds of quirky things that stick in my head. I remember, like, no, you guys got this all wrong. We shouldn't have industry on the waterfront. We did because of the way the country evolved during the Industrial Revolution. But that stuff. <laughs> all right, I'll stop. Anyway, stuff should have been pushed, pushed inland. Higher valued stuff, residential on the waterfront. Boom. Some commercial. I built epic cities, and the damn game didn't recognize it. And it's yes, I did play since. And you were playing it to actually make it bigger. I was playing to get as big as I could quickly, and then do a hurricane or something. <laughs> no, I see. I was no natural disaster guy. Don't kill my work product. Couldn't handle it. That's so funny. All right. So now we meet Mike, and you brought so many solutions. I have to say, uh, we haven't. I, we connected once, I think, since this this whole thing started with COVID. You had us so beautifully positioned for this pandemic. Absolutely. Talk about silver linings. Mm-hmm. You have us, com- everything is remote. You can be in a, a broom closet in India yeah. and literally work. If you ha- bring your phone, as long as you you have internet. plug exactly. it into the, the jack like and yeah. we can transfer calls from the front desk to the broom closet in India yep. and work and access every document, every form, every piece of paper, or email or any asset digitally that used to not be digitally and we now made digitally, mm-hmm. literally in the entire company's history. So when this thing hit, we were really well positioned and I have to say thank you for that yeah. because some of the stuff, so uh, as I explained earlier, Mike isn't a salesman at least he doesn't come across as that hard sell kind of guy. So there was a lot of things that we were talking about when we first met that I didn't quite get, but I trusted you, right? We connected and I was like, all right, Becca, good. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm good. All right, we trust this guy. So let's roll with some things that we don't quite see how, where, when, or why today, but damn, did -hmm. did you nail it. Now, as you're going through that stuff, did you foresee these kinds of events? I mean... What's the thinking there? So we plan for business continuity. So the prevention of downtime. Mm-hmm. All right, so we plan for disasters. But like I've been saying this for months, I never thought the disaster I'd be planning for would be a huh. pandemic. Right. Would rip people out of their offices, lock them in their home. Like who would have mm-hmm. ever imagined that? I'm planning, I was planning for the next Hurricane Sandy, for, you know, fires, right. cyber, you know, cyber security threats, but never for a pandemic. But luckily, by having the proper business continuity in place and the plan, you could enact it for anything. And that's where it made things simple. And I think, you know, I go back and I think uh, the movie Boiler Room. Don't they wish at that time they was voice over IP, right? They yeah. had to have a room of phones. They could yeah. In the voice over IP age, they don't even have to do any of that. But you, you look at that movie and you just remember hundreds of phones. Yep. And that's how they were finally caught because yep. they saw the empty office building. So a little secret. I have negotiated some of the biggest deals in, in my career with my feet up at a fire pit up on the farm remotely, and people have had absolutely no clue. Yeah. Um, you've given me a freedom that I don't get to use it nearly as much as I want to, but I can never quantify what that has meant to me and my family. 
and I do some of my absolute best thinking when I'm up and I'm in the mountains and mm -hmm. some of the background noise kind of fades away and I'm able to really hyper-focus. Uh, I'm actually getting emotional talking about this. I'm such a baby. But you, you really gave me the ability to grow and scale and be free and not be tied to the desk constantly and not have my team tied to the desk constantly. And in this business, we tend to be free thinkers a bit mm -hmm. and we're not really good with paperwork and we're not really good with uh, that kind of stuck in an office setting. There's a lot of creativity that comes along with most realtors um, and brokers. So that has been absolutely freaking invaluable. Well, thank you for realizing early on that you were willing to make the change, right? That's always the biggest is thing mm -hmm. is making that leap of taking that leap of faith and saying, is this really going to help? Unified yeah. communication is the future with, and, and, the, and the whole thing is being able to do what you can from anywhere. We don't no longer have to be tied to a desk and, and for any business and it's, under, and it's understanding the valuing what that would give you and, and the, and the indirect values, the family time, you know, the same thing, five o'clock, I try to pack up my desk, you know, and go home. But that doesn't mean it's the end of the day for me. It right, means I'm course. able to go home, spend time with my to my daughters, and yeah. when they go back to bed, it, I could work on my kitchen table. I could work in my patio. I could work in mm -hmm. my basement. No matter where, wherever I am, I could work. Now it's taken me, in, in terms of my what I've done in the beginning, it was me. It was just you know, Techie Geek was Mike, and, yeah. and then it was Techie Geek was me and one other person. We're now nine people, and that is understanding and growing is what makes everything possible because the less I could do, the better. I now have a team that I'm able to rely on and I'm able to focus on the business, right? I'm, rather than working uh, in the business, I'm working on the business. At least I try most of the time, but that doesn't always work. And that is so critical. We talk about this all the time. Yes, we do. Having time, for so many years, we were pedaling the bike and fixing it at the same time. Not effective. Necessity, yes, mm -hmm. as you grow and you don't have the resources available, you have to do those things. But being able to actually get off that damn bike and spend time focusing, fixing things mm -hmm. um, has really helped us with growth. And in, in, it's almost impossible to quantify. You know, you tweak a lever here, you move a button there, and you're able to create efficiencies across a whole host of platforms, which results in more free time, which allows our people to do what they do best, which yeah. is to, to go crush deals and, and to negotiate. Yeah. So the hardest thing I have though, is it's with it. So managed services and like what we do is, yep. is showing that value because you sit down and businesses say, well, five, six years ago, I didn't have this operating expense. Why should I have this operating expense mm -hmm. now? And that becomes my, it's my job to sell the value and, and try to understand. And I, it's frustrating because, I'm not there again to sell. I'm there to try to protect your business. Right. So mm -hmm. yes, of course, there's a cost to it. And IT is not cheap by any means, but IT is much cheaper than the cost of downtime. Oh it's, yeah. It's much cheaper. So uh, you know, we're we're right now in the process of putting together a, a landing page where a business owner could go and put in how many employees they are, uh, how many employees if they've lost network would they would be unable to work, how much they make per hour. And just like the stack of, I think I did the numbers yesterday in testing, it was 25 employees. If you, um, 100, say it was 100% of your workforce relies on being able to access data systems. 
and you make two hundred dollars an hour on on average, the cost of that downtime is five thousand dollars per hour. That's, wow. that's a huge number. And then if you wow. you put that out by a day, a week, and the cost of IT and protecting yourself is a far less than five thousand dollars an hour. So, so let me give an example. We just had a major storm. Yeah. Power went out. I looked at Becca. <laughs> this is funny. And I, I looked at Becca and I'm like, the phone. And I caught myself and she was like, yeah. stop. <laughs> Didn't dead. even have to give it a second thought. And as you talked about in the beginning, my phones, my phones, my phones. Because we have had bad experiences in the past where yeah, we did. certain IT people promised one thing. Mm -hmm. It was a disaster. If you miss one call in my business, it can be hundreds of thousands it could be millions of dollars in revenue to our people oh, i know you yelled at me once yeah well we had we had one hiccup one I, hiccup i would have maybe not scheduled a huge press release the day of the number <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I anyway that phone call i'm like it's gonna happen give it five minutes i'm waiting for a phone call we just did the press release i'm like why did we schedule it today? <laughs> yeah, well, those, I we, about that. We, we were not nearly as nimble or coordinated mm -hmm. as we were then. Again, that was during, yeah. and it's stressful, man. It's tough. It, you're growing and you're, oh. you've got press releases out and you're trying to, you know, you put so much time and passion into these things that, mm -hmm. I, and I've been woefully inadequate and guilty of this. Then when something is a little bit out of place, you hyper-focus on it because you know how much hard work you and your people put into it. So um, that's the ancient history. We are in such a cool, streamlined place now. I thought it would be important, uh, Mike, if, if we could talk about the real estate industry today and you know how we've everyone's going through this pivot. For us, again, because of your leadership, because of your vision, and because of your masterful way of showing us the path we've been rocking through this this whole thing yeah, we've we been have. able to to not miss a beat can you talk a little bit about what you're seeing with virtual open houses virtual closings maybe talk about some of the new equipment or technologies that you're recommending let's give the audience some value here and then of course if they have further questions they could reach out yeah so obviously every industry is pivoting and but it, you think about the real estate in industry it's a huge pivot yeah Open houses now are, are such a process. They it, it, wait for months. They weren't even available. You couldn't even do right. an open house. Now we're doing open house. Don't you have to follow behind and disinfect everything a person yes. touches? No, oh, yeah. You basically have to hire someone. Wait, did you touch that door knob? Hold on. Did you touch yes. the cabinet? That's right. So virtual open houses is so such an easy way to give an immersive experience. That's an easier sell, in my opinion. Right, and, and I would much rather be able to go through five houses in a matter of minutes, see a full virtual tour, and then make the decision that, you know what, that is the house I truly want to see, rather than have to go through every house and take my time and a whole day and a real, and so not only is it make things so much easier, and with the use of drones, you could show the full property, you yeah. know, when, Staten Island, not so much, but you know, when you start to get out of New Jersey, you, you're able to see the immense amount of acres and what they get with the, with everything. Um, but there's so much technology and, and real estate, and you guys are on the forefront. Even with this, what you're doing here is the forefront. Networking events, right? That yep. was how we would meet people. Mm -hmm. You would do in-person yep. events, conferences. Yep. yep. That doesn't exist right now, and that probably won't exist to 2021. So how do you stay relevant? And what you're doing here and, and, and marketing and understanding video is important. 
everyone wants to post a picture of a house mm-hmm. or post a picture, some text, and think people are going to engage in that. No. People don't engage in that. Nope. People, we, we all have short attention spans. We go through and we look for something that's fun and then quick, and then we'll be like, oh, let's watch that. Exactly. And so what you're doing, you've how many followers do you have now? So we're over 7,000 on YouTube, which is, as you said, digital video is, is the way is the way to go. A shocking stat. We t- think we talked about this at one, once before. Don't kill me if I'm off by a few percentage points, folks. But it's something like 89% of property owners want their realtor to use video as part of their digital assets. And only 7% of realtors are using it. 89% want it. It's unreal. And only 7% are, are, in today's day and age, that's criminal. If mm-hmm. you're not offering and i don't mean basic video at this point you should be using fully immersive matterport tours there's so many unbelievable tools with covid more than ever you want to keep folks out of the house where you where where it's at all possible with the fully immersive matterport tours we even go as far as to put to send out the goggles you put your phone in the goggles go on and you're literally like walking around the the property so that by the time they get to the asset it's a reshow it's not the mm-hmm. first showing. Right. They've stayed, they They've, know what they're looking at. A hundred percent. So like you said, time is so valuable. It's our absolute most important and valuable commodity. You want to flip through quick. Boom, boom, boom. You want to see what's available. Then you know, this is out, this is out, this is out. These are the three I want to see. And when you get them to the property and you're actually now having them physically there, if that's even needed, that's 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 even starting to happen. People are buying without ever going in. Yeah. It's a reshow. You're client's time is is being respected your time is being respected your seller's time is being respected and you're able to uh close transactions much more quickly and much more efficiently and if this has shown us anything with covid it's how important time is right yeah. you don't know when all of a sudden you're gonna it's gonna be ripped away from you yeah yep. and so many industries are moving this way right how many you whoever thought you wouldn't go to a car dealer to buy a car right People now, there's mm-hmm. multiple apps. You go on your phone. You're like, I want, okay, I want this car. Boom, and you could order and have it delivered to your house without even going to the dealer. Um, so wild. It, it's crazy. It really and, is. Um, eventually, you're going to start closing deals through text messages. You'll be like, Yeah, all right, you mm-hmm. ready? All right, get the lawyer in touch with me. But it, it, I still see because you know, occasionally I'll go out there and look through, see what houses are for sale, and I like. And then when you get to the house and you like three photos, you're like, really? Right. You don't have any photos. You can't go through. Yeah. And then you see some people that just don't put professional photos up. It looks like mm-hmm. they were using a 10-year-old, yep. you know. <laughs> How is the, the, the broker, the, the aging, even allow that? That's like your job is to make sure that house looks mm-hmm. as good as it can and is something that people want to look at. You would think that that would be an easy transition, and it's not, and it wasn't, and it still remains a challenge. So we've... Uh, We've instituted attrition here, where at the end of the year, if uh, X percent are not doing certain things, no matter what, we switch the team up because you have to have people that are not only willing to, but are absolutely thrilled about putting their best foot forward. Um, This is the, in most cases, the highest price commodity that someone's ever going to sell, the highest price asset, and you need to be taking professional photography we have a, uh, we went we bought all the technology we brought it in house we do it for at least half of what any service outside would charge for it and it's now a requirement 
It's now in our uh, agreements yep. that if you're going to work here, you have to pick from at least one of these packages or you, we, we just won't do it. Yep. We don't want that kind of, of off-product stuff being represented in our, in our company. And we just won't do it. Technology has made it so, so much easier. You know, even within our office, we do a lot of videos and a lot of photos. And, you know, I, I just picked up like a brand new Sony ZV-1 camera, which is a great 4K selfie camera that can be used to take amazing videos. We have a Canon DSLR, you know, as well for video. But your pocket, you have phones. Yeah. Phones are, ra yes. are ranked as some of the best cameras yep. today. Yeah. The iPhone, uh, the iPhone, as well as like I carry an Android, uh, Google Pixel. Rated as the top camera, like it doesn't make it any hard. You don't have to carry, you know, a whole case. You can literally, take out your phone and take professional photos, take professional videos. Yes, mm -hmm. there's tools out there, but just take your phone. Use something. Don't don't use the flip phone. That yep. I, right. I looked through some of the photos. I'm like, when was that taken? Why is everything blurry? And then <laughs> it's all. And we all say, don't judge that book by its cover. But we all know when you're in a digital world, everything is judged by that cover. Absolutely. That's a good point. Absolutely. I'm not so sure it's a cover. Uh, that That's a true representation of the time, care, and quality that the individual person is putting into it and a representation mm -hmm. of what the asset looks like. So um, absolutely, without question, first class, first rate digital assets are a must. What are some of the other things that you're finding, some tips or some basic equipment suggestions, some platforms that you're seeing? What what are the what's the, the the hot flavor of the day, if you will, that you're seeing roll out? So, the, you know, one of the new things that we're looking into. So, we've been helping different organizations, kind of again with a pivot right now. Organizations like think IT does everything, so I keep getting, hey, can you help with a a virtual event? So, you know, we helped the uh, to St. George Theater who just did their telethon. We just helped them to do their telethon, and we're in uh, helped the uh, Staten Chamber of Commerce with their yeah, which you were a part of. Yep. So something that we don't even do, but we're being asked to. And I'm like, fine, you know, if we could help, we could help. What is the one thing that we've all been taking away from us is in-person events. So, yeah. and what makes in-person events so important in any type of gathering, because real estate agents throw gathering or virtual open houses or whatever it be, is that in-person feel, right? That, that networking, yes. that in-person, there are platforms out there and there's a new one that's trying to recreate that. It's called the Remo. Um, and it's really incredible in the way they do it and i've I, i've attend probably one or two webinars a week now because it associations are just constantly throwing different webinars so i've been on the fake exhibit halls we actually exhibited at the small business expo which was like a fake exhibit hall where it looked like an exhibit hall and you cycle through and it's all chat it was a complete waste it was i wasted our our, our, our money on that we got nothing from it mm. because there's no engagement back and forth right. Yeah. This event I was in, one of my providers, one of the associations was using this Remo platform. I immediately fell in love with it. It almost looks like this type of table. When you join in, everyone is on camera. You go and sit at a table, you pick, and you can see av uh, avatars of who's sitting where, and you can move yourself around, and you're actually on video talking to the other attendees. Really? So you're now basically able to interact. So what they did is everyone, they had someone sponsor a table, so different so vendors were at, like would sponsor the table. When you would go over, the vendor has a whiteboard. They're able to show and do a presentation cool. to the oh, thing. Very so slick. Awesome. So now, yeah. and then when they do like a keynote, everyone gets pulled into a keynote. Now, let's say you raise your hand because you have a question. They basically bring you on stage. So all wow. of a sudden you're on stage, you're on video, you ask your question and they drop you off. 
Um, it was very cool neat. because it's recreating that in-person feel. And yep. so they're, they're a newer company and it's kind of, I'm in talks with some associations here on the island who are looking to do their exhibits of trying to go to that platform because the biggest thing that you, you've lost is the ability to do that. Yeah. And you can almost, I can almost see, and they're, they're saying associations are using that for like meetings, for, you know, guild meetings. You could use that platform. Everyone's sick of Zoom, right? We're, you know, as Zoom, all as, zoomed out. As yeah. we're, we're all zoomed out. And, and the biggest thing is like, so I've been to a number of Zoom like events where happy hours. The biggest thing with Zoom is everyone goes in and you're all in one and who's talking over and you can't have those yes. private conversations. Yes, there is a thing known as breakout rooms in Zoom, but an administrator has to control that. So with the Remo, you could be, go in, have everyone talk, and then move around to their own tables. And then it gives you the perspective. Do you, are you seeing the way you would see if you were there? So if they bring you up on stage, is the camera view switch and you're no, looking out onto the audience? Well, because it's not you, – you, everyone sees the audience on your computer screen because you see everyone's faces at these tables, like their icons, like and most people upload headshots. But let's say, so let's say we're at a table of four people, and I'm like, James, you want to have a private conversation? We could click, and now it brings a one-on-one -on -one video, and we're in a private video conversation. It. So it's just it's doing something, and it, like associations could do that for mix up, and, you know, member mix-ups and uh, get mixers getting together. You can almost do that for a virtual houses because you can now bring other people in at a coordinated time and get people to start bigging over each other. Like as you show the house, oh, and they're like, oh my god, look at that, right? And creating that hype. Because one thing that you do lose is when you're in open house, right? I remember being younger when my parents would go through open house and they're like looking around. Anyone else seem interested? Do they right. seem interested? Right. Hey, who's interested? Oh, why are they looking? All right, we better put the offer in. We, we, we really like this house before they go and put so, theirs in. So remember, folks, when I said Mike has a way of selling you on something, yes. <laughs> but without selling you? <laughs> Fish on. And I'm now official <laughs> Remo partner. <laughs> Not yet. Petey, Remo, <laughs> let's pick it up after this. In fact, maybe we're going to edit all that out yeah, so right. nobody knows about it yet. <laughs> so that's really that's really neat. Um, and these are the kinds of things that we're looking for. I don't know if, if everyone gave, everyone kind of balked about it, but I don't know if everyone gave full credit to how much of an impact not being able to see and touch mm -hmm. and feel and communicate with people was having. We're really yeah. starting to see people get affected by this. Yeah. It, the it, disconnect is really profound. Mm -hmm. and you, you think about it and you, you watch the press conferences and they didn't talk about mental health until, what was it, like two months in, then all yep. of a sudden yeah. it was ag, mental and, health. And they still don't talk about it not nearly as, as much, nearly as, as, much as they yeah. should. But you could you could definitely see, and if if you watch social media, you could definitely see the trend of people and how they've changed over where people's thoughts were in March to just now how angry mm -hmm. people get based Volatile. on the slight. Yeah, yeah. It's, very difficult yeah. right now. We're, we're designed to interact with people, you know. Yeah. To, we took this. Everyone took this at different levels, right? Everyone quarantined at different levels. There was a point I didn't leave my house for a month. You know, my I have two young daughters who, when they started announcing that this potentially was causing this this child, you know, yes. this the, the whoever that yeah. it was making it look like, um, my, uh, we went in the panic mode. I didn't leave the house. I no longer would go out for shopping. We would use Instacart. Yeah. Whoever thought that would be a thing where you could just order food yeah, right? and deliver in two hours, <laughs> never have to go to supermarket again. But you know. It, it's we are designed and I, I have that fear of missing out. That's my biggest thing. I FOMO. like to talk. Yeah, I yeah. Do too. Yeah. And 
for me to no longer be able to like to go to these events and talk to my friends and see it. Yes, thank God this happened. Not well, not thank God this happened, but that it happened now. Right. Not I mean, ten I... years ago. Not fifteen yeah. years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We were so much more connected and so and able to do more than we are because of where we are in technology. Mm -hmm. If this were happening fifteen years ago. The uh, amount of businesses that would have closed would have been way worse because not every business would have been able to get up and, and get going like they did. Yeah. Now, I will say a lot of businesses were able to just pick up and move, but they not most businesses didn't do it properly in terms of security. And that's the, the biggest thing is we've seen during all this is hackers don't take off. Hackers are just constantly okay. trying to take advantage of anything. You know, they, they, the biggest scam that was going on during all this is they were mailing people, emailing, hey, get a 50 free mask and get a, your free gloves and this, sign up. And they were stealing people's Unreal. passwords, downloading, mm -hmm. you know, uh, ransomware. So that, that's a great segue because we wanted to talk a little bit about cybersecurity, mm -hmm. the dark web, right, which um, I'd like for you to really dumb it down for me, as well as the audience, to talk about what are some of the, the major threats now. We're actually in the process of going through proposals with Mike to address this uh, exact issue. He's got us really beefed up, uh, but we want to triple down as we did on, on the digital assets. We now want to triple down on, on protecting the company. So can you talk us through, in, in layman terms, uh, what are some of the major threats? What is the dark web? What is ransomware? What is malware? What are all these things that we all hear about? But now we have to really mitigate. Okay, so we are actually in the process of now doing live hacking demos. So it's basically Can a 10 minute hacking demo. Um, I went to study this and start doing this about a week ago. I was scared how easy it is to take control of a computer. As, a, as an IT professional, I was like, it's that easy. So in the, basically in this live hacking demo, what we do is we have, I have two computers set up. Obviously I have one computer that I've turned off all antivirus, everything mm -hmm. in the way to show if you're not properly protected, right. what happens. We open up an email that looks like a resume because that's how simple it is. All it takes is it has to look like a resume that comes wow. in and the wrong person open and click it. So they open the resume and it's a Word document and it pops up and everyone who's opened Word document off of the internet knows that it shows up in kind of a security mode with yes. an enable editing at the top. Yep. This document right there, the hacker, which we was fake, you know, we made fake, says, hey, you in order to get this, you have to enable editing. Most people will fall for that because it's unfortunately it's training. It's your employees are the weakest link. Yeah. As soon as you hit enable editing, that's it. The connection is made to the hacker's computer. So the uh. way I do this demo is I have both up on a monitor. Mm -hmm. Once I gain access, so all it takes is that Word document to open up. You're now in. I could take screenshots to the computer. Um, I'm able to monitor every keystroke you type. Jesus. Then, then where I really creep people out is you could basically open the webcam and watch the webcam. So whoa, now, whoa, whoa, wait. Open the webcam and watch the webcam live without you having any idea. So you can watch what I'm doing? Yeah. Right out of your webcam. Basically, I'm in connection into your computer. Dear open Lord. up the webcam, listen to what you see you and listen to you. So now this is, of course, in the demo. I'm doing this all, all manual, right? That's not how hackers do it. What hackers do is they now get in and they load scripts. They take a foothold. They take a permanent hold because they want, even if you restart your computer, they need to get back in. And they put scripts that now monitor every keystroke you're typing, 
take screenshots every five to 10 seconds of everything you're doing and monitor your webcam, download screenshots. This is what they do. You could also download files. So during the demo, I show how easy it is to download a whole folder off someone's computer. So now ransomware is the big one you hear about. Ransomware is when hackers take your data for ransom. So what they do is, again, just as simple as that email click, and there's lots of entry points in, email being the most common because mm-hmm. it's the most, it's, it's, it's a huge net. Ransomware takes your files and mm-hmm. encrypts it with 256-bit encryption. So there's no way for you to unencrypt that without basically paying the ransomware key. Well, but that's not what you do. As long as you have a business continuity plan in place, you go to your backups. We back up our clients as often as every five minutes. So if you got hit with ransomware, you have, you lose, okay, five minutes worth of data. Most businesses will be okay with that. But unfortunately, most businesses don't realize and don't spend, don't, aren't willing to spend the money to protect themselves. Business continuity is an insurance policy. So what happens? Now your data is ransom. You can't open any of your files. And ransomware goes and takes over your whole company drive. It spreads as quickly as it can to as far as it could go. Now, ransomware is a billion-dollar business for hackers. Billion-dollar business. Billion-dollar business as of uh, 2018. And ransoms about three years ago were $3,000. So if, if the way it works is they give you seven days, and they give, you have to pay all in Bitcoin. Um, and after seven days, it keeps doubling. So every seven days, it doubles. So it started around 3000 And if you didn't pay, because people, you know, do the old, I'm going to try to recover. And getting right. Bitcoin is hard, too. You can't yeah. just get $3,000 in Bitcoin like that it's a process yeah and and the government tells you do not pay hackers right they do not pay for the ransomware because you keep driving the business mm-hmm. well today ransom averages are about five hundred thousand dollars five hundred thousand five hundred we i had there was a, a business on Staten island who we helped after a ransomware attack was not one that we protected before they were hit with a 1.7 million dollar ransom this is a small business on Staten Island that needed their data. Um, That's you're out of business. Garmin, mm-hmm. Garmin, just last week paid a ten million dollar ransom. And to think about Garmin and smartwatches, a huge company, what yeah. failed in their business continuity plan that they had to go and download and pay this ransom. Wow. Now there's talks that Garmin may be under uh, charges because the hacker group that hacked Garmin was sanctioned by the Treasury Department last year as a hack as a terrorist organization. So, so they've now paid them, a terrorist organization. Paying them is illegal because wow. that's how the government wants to stop you from buying. So now, but Garmin, Scary. right? Are you going to go out of business or do you need your data back? So yeah. it appears that Garmin from inside employees, because Garmin hasn't come out and obviously set a press release because it's who wants to put bad press. Right. Um, but based on employee leaks and what's happening is they've paid the ransom they have a decryption key. But now if that decryption key doesn't work, there's no help desk. That was my next question. Yeah. Do you actually ever get your data so back? years ago, you used to always get your data back. Like years ago, because there were, it was very few people that were doing ransomware. It's, what happened is as people saw this was a, a thriving industry, like th- this is an industry. People take advantage of businesses and data. Yeah. More people got involved. They, they it, it, uh Encrypting the files was easy, but they weren't always able to decrypt them. So people would pay and not get anything back. The other thing is when you decrypt the files, the, ha- the hacker still has access. So a lot of times you would pay the files and do it. They let you be okay for a month, and then they re-ransom you. Wow. So 
Now, so here's where the new thing is, is people, back in the day, it used to be, oh, panda antivirus, I have antivirus, I'm great. Yeah. It's not that way any, anymore. You have to use multiple, it's a, it's a multiple fence. And what we now do that most IT providers don't do is um, active cyber breach monitoring. So we have a vendor that actually monitors your computer, and these were, um, it's, it's manned by pe um, employees who used to all work for the government as hackers, and they know what to watch for. Most businesses, they say it's 100 days that a hacker is in your computer before you even realize. So for 100 days, a hundred that on days. average, a hacker is in there for 100 days before it's, it's discovered. Yeah. So with active, with, with active monitoring, you're able to basically know immediately. It's that multi-fold. And, and I did laugh when I saw Garmin's basically package that they were installing on every computer they use the same endpoint protection that we use on all our clients on the advanced security package. Um, we use, it's a product called Sentinel One that's really only for Fortune 500 companies. You can't just go buy a single license of it. You have to basically sign up for a thousand licenses before they'll even talk to you. So luckily through distribution, um, we're able to use it, but it's that good that they guarantee if you ever get hit with ransom, they'll actually pay up to a $10,000 ransom, which was, Years ago, when they enacted that, it would cover most ransom. The right. problem is now it's ransom is out there, and it, it, they're much higher. Wow. Hackers, uh, it's a billion-dollar business to think about that. you know. And 74% of businesses that lose access to their data for one week will close down within one year. Say, wait, say that again. So the statistic is, based on different studies, is 74% of businesses. So if a business 74 was 74%. If, if a business that loses access to their data for one week, 74% of them will close down within one year. That's Lord. a huge number. And now your company is offering a full complement of cybersecurity and not only defensive strategies, offensive strategies business to be continuity, proactive. Right. Okay, so uh, two more things I want to touch on. I know we're, time flies, and this has been great. We're already at, at an hour just about, but uh, two things I want to touch on real quick. We discovered um, going through some of our insurance policies that even if you have business continuity insurance and even if you have um, data protection insurance, folks, check your policies we found one policy that we were paying a good bit of money for yeah. did not include phishing scams and they yep. didn't identify it as phishing scams. They identified it in another other wording that yeah, I wasn't, I, I didn't quite, mm -hmm. uh, just we red flag like, wait a minute, what is that? And then we called the provider and they were like, yeah, no, that, that's not included. And I was like, that's 95% of how mm -hmm. they get you is it comes through an email exactly how you just described. Yeah. So yeah. people, if you have business continuity uh, insurance or if you have uh, data breach or cybersecurity insurance, if you don't, you should get it. But if you do, take a look at those policies, talk to your insurance agent. Phishing scams was not included in ours. And that's the overwhelming majority from what I understand of how they get you. Uh, before I let you go, I just want to touch on, on one more quick thing. What is the dark web? So the dark web is the place you don't want to be. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, we are all familiar with the World Wide Web. Right. The dark web is another version of the Internet that you need a special browser to access. As soon as you access the dark web, you go on a government list that you've accessed the dark web. So it's actually an Internet place. It's, a, it's yeah. another Internet type. It's built on, it's on the Internet. It's another you need what's known as a Tor browser. You have to go on to it. The government knows you access it. They don't know what you're on because it's all encrypted, but they know you've made the connection to the dark web. On the dark web is where you go and buy all the stuff that you can't find on the World Wide Web. 
you know, this stuff. All the bad stuff. All All the the bad bad stuff. Now, but where does the dark web affect businesses? So we keep talking about phishing and and what what is a hacker's job? A hacker's job is to keep throwing that net out. So you Mm -hmm. get that fish. You have an untrained employee who opens that email and puts in their username and password, right? Because the fish usually takes you to a page that looks like a Google log on and then you fail. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not a hacker that goes into a database. It's now not a hacker sitting there and trying to log on. It goes into a computer program that then runs that through every bank website, all the different websites, and notifies no, uh, you know, a hacker, hey, we have a hit, this worked at Chase, this worked at Bank of America. Now that hacker goes in and takes advantage. The other thing the hackers do with that data is they, A, try to sell it in packages. So just like Freddie Mae buys mortgages, yep. hackers package all this information and they have kits on the dark web that will say this has 200 social security numbers, Ugh. 400 credit cards, personal e- you know, phone numbers, addresses, and we're selling this for $3,000. Well, yeah. just like any list, a list gets stale. So after that list gets stale after a few months, they release it for free. So now they say, okay, now here's the list for free. And if you get any hits from it, we give us money back and they'll act hackers are basically they, they help one another now. So your passwords. So we do dark web monitoring for our clients. So we monitor on the dark web for their username and passwords. Once it's on the dark web, there's no taking it off. It's basically knowing it's on the dark web. So if you use that same password anywhere, you need to change that. And that's why the importance of a password management tool is not using the same password anywhere. And then really it comes down to employee training and understanding phishing. But it's not always the employee's fault because there's also the Under Armour breach, the MySpace, the Yahoo. Mm-hmm. Yahoo holds the record for the the, the biggest security breach in, in, in ever. Really? Still, yeah. It was with I, it was billion. Uh, it was I don't remember the exact record count, but they hold the record for the the most amount of records stolen. Um, so it's we actually again with our advanced training program. And our, our, with our clients, we fish their the employees. So we fish the employees to see, and if they fall for the fish, a video it pops up. Hey, you fell for a fish. Here's a video on how to watch the next time and not fall for that fish. Yeah, I thought that was great. And, and then really and then you idea. give and then the report goes to the manager. You know, yeah. hey Becca, out of your 20 employees, uh, five of them fell for the fish this month. And then mm-hmm. okay. And then you watch the next month. And the whole point is, if people keep hit the same people keep hitting it. Those are the people you have to have the conversation with. Like, come on, you can't keep falling for this. So kind of some takeaways here. Um, Now more than ever, the the relevance of of what Mike does is front and center, right? And the new new world, and as we always say, uh, life AC after Corona, Mm -hmm. these tools are available. They are pretty seamless integration into what you're doing. Mike has done it masterfully here and for so many other clients on Staten Island. Uh, so Mike has a full complement of those tools, but that's not enough. Then once you've entered into this arena, you have to protect the flanks, right? So we have to watch what's happening on the backside of things. Uh, Mike, it, it, as always, it's an absolute pleasure. How do people get a hold of you? What's the best way to reach you and your company? Uh, so to reach me, you can always email me, Mike uh, at techie, T-E-K-I-E, geek, G-E-E-K.com. Uh, you could find us at favoritegeeks.com if you want to find us on the web. And we're on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter, we're all over. Just look for the Techie Geek. All right, folks. And don't forget how to hack proof your business. Volume two featuring Mike Bloomfield, bestseller on Amazon. 
God bless you for all your success. You've been wonderful to work with. You've been Absolutely. a wonderful guest. Thank you. Folks, uh, as always, we appreciate your time. Please keep the likes and the follows and the suggestions coming. And everyone, stay safe. We'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.